Hello, hello. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 61, and we're going to be covering chapter 4 of Ephesians. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So chapter four, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what we covered in the first three chapters. So what was Paul doing in the first three chapters of Ephesians? So if you um, didn't get to listen to the intro, what we talked about a little bit in that episode was how Ephesians is um, six chapters and the first three are really defining and making sure um, the reader and us understand what the gospel is and what our identity is because of the gospel. So um, a lot of um, gospel language about Trinity and what Jesus has done and how we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and you know that it's not by works but it's by faith and just really rooting them in the very I don't want to say easy to understand because it's hard for us to grasp, yeah. but the very not just basic, basic is yeah, that okay. like the foundation yeah. of what yeah. the gospel is. Exactly. So we just finished all of that and it doesn't mean like, okay, now we're not going to talk about the gospel anymore. Right. Like it's not like a clear divide where he's like, now we're done talking yeah. about that. Because if we're being honest, the whole Bible is mm-hmm. about the gospel, right? Oh, the whole sure. Bible points mm-hmm. to Jesus. But now, um, I think you said it really well when you said the first three chapters are, and you use some kind of literature Indicatives. term. Okay. Indicative. Or... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what it was. One is that, and the other is, the last three are imperatives. Okay. Yeah, indicatives and imperatives. So explain what that means. So it means basically one is kind of setting the, like you said, like kind of the foundation, Mm -hmm. and it's like what it's all about. And then the second part is how you live like in light of that. What does that mean for you now? What, how are you supposed to walk walk that out yeah. basically which is the term that Paul actually uses right. is walk it out right so yeah now walk it no, out, no, no, walk it out. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we're bringing this point back up is because we really have to understand the shift that's taking place here when we start in chapter four if we were to not read chapters one through three and just start in chapter four um, we would we would miss that whole understanding of what the gospel is and we would start with the imperatives um, which I technically don't even know what that word means um, but <laughs> I took it from somewhere else so I'm but not <laughs> yeah English was not my uh, not my forte that's a good English word though. Um, But we would miss the fact of Paul really um, driving home the fact that you have to understand the gospel before you can live it out. Mm -hmm. So if you start with what to do, you're missing the the why you're doing yeah. it, yeah. Um, which then you miss was miss the whole point. And our pastor, um, he was teaching through a different book of the Bible. He was teaching through Galatians um, this last Sunday, but he said something that I thought would go really well with this story. He was talking about how um, the gospel doesn't just change our beliefs. So we can't just say, okay, we understand the first three chapters mm-hmm. of Ephesians. Now I'm going to continue to be exactly how I was before I read it. But he said, the gospel doesn't just change our beliefs, but it also changes our behavior. And it made me think back to when we did the series on the gospel, which was way back at the very mm-hmm. beginning. It's a short series. I think it's four, three or four episodes. Yeah. Um, and it's fantastic. And you should definitely go back and listen.
listen to it. But one of the points that we made, which actually just popped up in my time hop because it was exactly a year ago, but it was very similar to what our pastor said. And we had said on that episode that the gospel is not just historical facts, but it's transformative truth. Mm. And both of these two quotes are kind of getting at the same idea that we, you know, we don't want to fall into this trap of legalism where we, you know, we start reading chapter four and we're like, oh, I have to put off this sin and put on this Mm -hmm. behavior. And, um, and that's, that's not how the gospel works. What we have to understand is that the gospel changes us. Like Mm -hmm. it's not something necessarily we have to do, but because of the gospel, we are changed and we want to do these things, um, is one way maybe to say that. And, and it, you can't just say, here's the gospel and it affects this part of my life, but not this part of my life. Like the gospel is all inclusive and it should affect the way we view things, the way we speak about things, the way we walk, like Casey said, and Paul says. Um, And so Paul's really trying to help us understand what, what the gospel change looks like in our lives, which I think is really helpful because otherwise we would just have to guess, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it's really good. And actually Aaron just sent me a video yesterday of Matt Chandler. Um, it was just a short, like two or three three and a half minutes. And, um, part of what he said was it's an invitation to live in the way God has designed so we can live out this design in a way that brings joy to us and glory to God. Yeah. And so it's that invitation, mm-hmm. like the way he has designed for us to live is the best way for us. Yeah. Like it will bring us joy and it will bring him glory. And we cannot have this um, truth in our hearts and in our minds without it transforming us. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. And so if we really truly do believe and we really truly do um, have this truth in us, then then we will see these actions that Paul talks about. Yeah. And he was making a really good point. And I think it's a super important. We'll plug it, um, the video in our uh, resources. But what he was talking about was we tend to stay away from the things mm-hmm. of the Bible that say, do this or right. don't do this. Uh-huh. Um, like we'll the hear a lot of, is what he yeah, them. he called yeah. them thou shalt and thou shalt not. But in Ephesians, we'll hear the language of put off and put mm-hmm. on. Um, and, and we stay away from that for fear of like sounding legalistic mm-hmm. or for fear of thinking our salvation depends on it. But that's why it's so important to read this book chronologically is our salvation depends on the gospel, Mm -hmm. which is what we covered in the first three chapters. And the last three is like Casey was saying, like it's for our joy Mm -hmm. and it's for our glory. And it's because of God's kindness and his grace that he's laid this out for us in scripture so that we can come to him and live the way that he's designed because it's the best for us. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good, you guys. Don't don't be afraid of the put on and put yes, offs and yes. the thou shalt and the mm-hmm. thou shall not. That doesn't mean it's always easy. No. But no. it's so good. Right. Like if you live in that, it's so good. Yes. Okay, so let's dive in. Let's do it. Verses one through three of chapter four. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I have this verse written in my house. Really? Yeah. I didn't think <laughs> about that one. while we were doing this, and it just hit me right now because I... I just love all of the very like clear practical reminders. So it talks about humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. And I mean, if we're, this is not in our notes at all. So this is just a freebie right here. But if we're being honest, like home is our safe place. So mm-hmm. that's where all of those things are tested, right? Oh, that's, that's where so our true. humility is tested. That's where our gentleness, our patience, where we, you know, we don't want to bear with one another in love. It's where mm-hmm. our ugly really comes out, you know, because we're, we're safe. It's people we love. And so it really, um, it's a good reminder to have that written on my wall 
that I don't just practice these traits outside mm-hmm. of my home, but it's important to even with the people who you're with the most or yes. you, you know, you might get annoyed with your husband or your children or whatever. It doesn't mean you can just say, you know, I don't want to be gentle with them mm-hmm. or patient with them or bear with them in love. And um, so it's a good one to have to have written. Yeah, that's good. That's real good. So one thing that we haven't really done just a whole lot of is using other parts of the Bible to mm-hmm. kind of cross reference. Yeah, we haven't done a ton of that. We've done a little bit. So we thought it'd be cool to um, do some of that here to define some of these terms that he uses. Mm-hmm. So um, the first one that he says is humility. And I liked this because immediately the place that I thought was best to go to help mm-hmm. define it was in Philippians, which yep. we've already covered several months ago, but it's Philippians 2, 3 through 8. And it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So I don't know that there's a much better Mm. um, definition or example of humility than right there. Like it's just very, very clear cut that we are to um, count others more significant than ourselves. And then it goes on to say, that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is the ultimate example of humility because he died a death on the cross mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. Only for us. He didn't deserve it. He right. did nothing wrong. He he was sinless. Mm-hmm. But um, because he loved us, he completely um, put himself aside and died for our sins. Yeah. And so... It's funny, this week we were talking about, the word humble came up in our um, devotion that we're going through with the girls and in Harper stopped me and she goes, how do you be humble? Like, and I realized, oh, we never really talked about that before. And um, so it was a, you're right. Jesus is the perfect person to go to, even Mm -hmm. like from his birth, like he Mm -hmm. left his throne to be born in a stable, like every aspect of his life shows humility. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's a good teaching point for ourselves but also like for discipleship for anybody that you're you know trying to help grow in their walk with Christ humility is such a good first place to start because it's you're never really going to master it um and so just looking to Jesus time after time to to what it means to actually walk in humility I think is convicting but also like a really good challenge it is yeah yeah. yeah. All right. What about the next one? How about gentleness? gentleness. I'm so gentle. I have this one mastered, you guys. <laughs> Does anybody know Aaron? <laughs> yeah. I think people would normally go with aggressive, actually, is more accurate for me. But <laughs> no, we love you. We love you despite your aggressiveness or maybe because of your. Ag- I need some aggression in my life. So you balance me out. But I'm not always real gentle either. I'm, I feel like I'm pretty gentle with the people that like don't know me the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. That's exactly but what I'm the talking people about. These that are, are the things yes. at home. Yes. That you, yes. But the people that are closest to me, like they see some aggression. Yeah. And yeah. People that don't really know me are probably like, what? Right. You're aggressive. Um, yeah, I can get that way. Um, <laughs> so another word in some translations that they use is meekness. Mm. And I liked how I saw this definition. It was the gentleness of the strong whose strength is under control. Ooh. So I thought of this also is kind of mm. almost like a self-control yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Like, um, what is the word that you use with the girls all the time? Um, it's, uh, is it self-control? 
I don't right. know. If we think know. about it, we'll come back to okay. it. I thought there was another term for self control. Oh, we talk about integrity. We talk about integrity. Yeah. I thought there was something else. Hmm. But but like a self control, like um, it doesn't mean that you're weak. Yeah. Like you're not weak. You're just you're gentle. You're still strong, but you're gentle. But it's a controlled. Well, it, you have to be even strength. stronger to control your yes. strength. Yes. More discipline. Maybe yes. discipline yeah, is the word good. I'm looking for. That's More good. discipline. Um, so for this, we went to 2 Timothy. And it's 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25. And it says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repent- repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So I just thought that was a good a good place, talking about correcting his opponents with yeah. gentleness, saying that, you know, when you correct, someone you still have to be firm and that Mm -hmm. takes courage and that takes strength but you can do it in a gentle Mm. manner so i need to remember that with yeah that's a convicting (laughs) one right there i'm like i don't think i've read that verse before and it's tough you know it's kind of convicting right there man all of these are so convicting yeah um, and so then patience is the next one. And patience, I like how John Stott um, defined it. He said, patience is long suffering towards aggravating people <laughs> such as God in Christ has shown toward us. Oh, I'm man. like, man, we're aggravating to God. We are. Think of how annoying we, we are. <laughs> I know we have to be. But I just like the realness of this, like towards aggravating people. Yeah. Like, people are going to aggravate us. People are going to yeah. frustrate us. I just had that conversation with Katie the other day, actually. I told Katie, I was like, you know, being good friends. Like, I'm going to frustrate you. I know that. Yeah. Like, because it's just the truth. Like, it's we're going to frustrate each other in this life because we're not perfect and life is messy. Um, but just being able to have that patience mm. with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this, I went to 1 Timothy 1, 16, and it says, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience mm. as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Mm. So once again, he's the perfect example. patience because we have to be so aggravating to him (laughs) and if you think like okay if you think about people who in your life you're like wow there's such a display of grace or there's such a example of godliness like these are three of the main traits that you think about right like if I see someone who is like super humble and patient and gentle I'm Mm -hmm. like wow they must really spend a lot Mm -hmm. of time with the Lord because those things don't necessarily come real naturally Mm -hmm. to us so you're like wow they really must be filled with the Mm -hmm. spirit I can think of a few people off the bat and it's not all people that the their, their life's not all easy. roses mm-hmm. yeah I mean mm-hmm. they they have trying circumstances and um, maybe their kids like to test them and you know yeah. like their um their life isn't perfect by any means but it's obvious that they spend a lot of time yeah. with Jesus a yeah. lot of time in the word because it just flows out of them and I think this goes back to the thing we were talking about at the very beginning that like you can't help but for the gospel to transform yes, you exactly you can't help it yeah um so then he goes on to say to be eager to maintain unity and peace mm-hmm. and I'm like that just made me think of like um just this intense desire yeah. to maintain unity and peace not a past Passive, okay, I guess, like... Hopefully it works yeah, out. Yeah, hopefully it works out, like, yeah. eager. Like, yeah. that makes me think of, like, when you're getting ready to, like, go on vacation uh-huh. or something. Just so ready for yeah. it to happen. And you're just, like, you're getting you're getting prepared and you're getting yeah. packed and and um, you're planning for it, kind of. And it makes me think like that. Like, you have to be actively pursuing this mm. in your life. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's just going to happen without, without trying. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So like we said, we haven't done a lot of cross-referencing, mostly for the sake of time. But 
we thought this was a really good place to do this and a really good chance to kind of show what it looks like to do that. So just to kind of break it down a little bit for you guys, an easy way to cross-reference like like we have done here is just taking that word from the verse, humility, and then you can, a lot of Bibles in the back have a, is it called a concordance? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. Um, and look for other verses with that same word. So cross-reference that might, you might be like, what is that? Um, it's really a, a simple tool that anybody can do, and it really helps to provide full clarity to a word in or a passage that you might be thinking like, you know, you might read that through and think, oh yeah, I'm humble and I'm patient and I'm gentleness. Mm-hmm. But then when we look at like to the point that Jesus was humble, it, it can provide more depth and clarity. Mm-hmm. So it's a good tool to use um, on your own as you're studying. And just like we used it right here, you can do that with any of the verses. Yep. So like as you're reading through for next week for chapter five, there's some big stuff in chapter five. If you're like, what is one of the big words we're going to talk about is submission. So if you're like, what does that word look like in other passages of scripture? It's a really um, good tool. Yeah. And it goes back to interpreting scripture with scripture. So you're not necessarily, not that going to like Webster is a bad thing. We've done it lots of times, but, um, using the Bible to define these terms is even, yeah, yeah, it's much better. And, um, also if you don't have a study Bible, something like blue letter Bible or something like that, Mm -hmm. you can do the exact same thing online. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a great tool. All right. Keep going. Verses four through six. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. A lot of repeating words A lot words of ones there. and lots of alls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anytime we hear lots of repeating, what does that mean? That means we need to pay attention. Exactly. So what do you think? What do you think is the... Um, the point that Paul's trying to make here with all the ones and the alls. I think once again, it's just going back to that theme of unity. And uh, I think, I think you mentioned last week, Mm -hmm. maybe or two weeks ago, I don't even remember now, but unity, not uniformity. Uh That God didn't make us all exactly the same to be robots. um, But we are to live in this unity as one body together. And I think that um, another thing that in the commentary I was reading, he was talking about how um, we can be one because God is one. There's Mm -hmm one God and there's even like the Trinity it's three in one like God is one and so when we are united to him we are united Mm, with each other mm -hmm. and we are all one body in Christ yeah it's good um and so he's just driving home that one 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 and I think it's because the Jews and Gentiles had been so separate for so long they had no idea that being one I mean he called it a mystery in, Mm -hmm. in previous chapters they didn't even know it it could be a thing. Right. So I think he was just really trying to kind of hammer that home. Mm-hmm. You know, like how he talks about one hope. So like you're saying, there's, we're all, you know, different and we all are in different works of life and different seasons and different nationalities and different even denominations and all these different things. But we all have one hope. Mm-hmm. Our hope yeah. and our identity and our salvation is all in one person, you yeah. know, in the work of Jesus Christ. And so that's what, that's what unites us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just keeping that in mind and he really drives that home with the one Lord, one yes. faith, one yes. baptism, mm-hmm. one God. And then he finishes that with that, with saying who is overall through all and in all. So we can't separate the fact that like you're saying, we are unified with each other, but we're also unified with God and mm-hmm. that he is in all and through all. So there's no way we can be outside of that. There's no way we can, you know, um, escape from that Mm -hmm. or anything like we are all, he is all in all, which is super comforting to me. Oh yeah. Like he's always there. And that's what Paul's drawing out right here that like 
this has been done. Mm -hmm. Like we are one. And so it might sound Mm -hmm. like he's kind of contradicting himself because just a few verses earlier, he was like, be eager to maintain it. And we were talking about how you have to actively do that. And now he's talking about how, well, we've already been made one. And so, um, yeah, in God's eyes, we, we have already been made one and nothing can change that. But it's also important to maintain the unity from the outside too. So you kind of have this, like this structure, structural unity Mm -hmm. that people can see from the outside. And then you also have like this internal unity. So we're internally one, nothing can change that. We've been sealed by the Holy spirit, but it's important as the local and universal church to also appear Mm -hmm. to be united and to appear to be one. And so, um, I I think that uh, this can, this could be a whole episode in and of itself, maybe even a whole series about like unity within the church. Um, but one thing that John Stott said in the commentary that I was reading, he said, that it's important not to compromise fun- fundamental truths for structural unity mm. um, and to hold fast to the doctrines that we know to be important, such as the Trinity. So like um, if you were in a church and all of a sudden part of the church decided to say like, no, we don't believe in the Trinity. That's mm. bogus. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not doing that anymore. It's important to hold to your guns mm-hmm. when it comes to these doctrines that you know to be truth. Closed and, hand. Right. Doctrines, yes. Yeah. Because you don't want to compromise that just for the sake of mm. appearing to be mm-hmm. unified yeah. as a church. So it's, it's tricky yeah. because you have kind of these two different layers. Um, and both are important, but but he was saying you never want to sacrifice these um, fundamental truths mm-hmm. just for the sake of appearing to be yeah. unified. That's good. That's good. So. And I think just like thinking about all of humanity, we all want to be a part of something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I think that's why unity is so important. And that's why he's really making this point here and he makes it in other letters and you know it's made throughout throughout the bible that we're you know we're a one team we have one identity Mm -hmm. we're on one mission and that's because people you know they all want to be a part of something they want to feel like they're making a difference they people Mm want to feel like they're included in um so i think if we you know if we really display what true gospel unity looks like in understanding that our identity is found in Christ alone and that's what draws us together like that's going to put the gospel on such a beautiful display that people are going to be like I want that people are going to be drawn to yeah exactly exactly unity is is a beautiful thing especially Mm -hmm. in this day and age where there's so much disunity and so Mm -hmm. much fighting and so much bashing and just you know even within families so much divorce so much brokenness like everybody longs for that deep companionship and unity and fellowship that's found in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just a really great thing to keep in mind when we, you know, sometimes get frustrated with either people in our church or just Mm -hmm. different things, you know, like have grace for them and remembering like Casey's saying, like if it's fundamental doctrinal truth, that's being compromised, that's something different. But if it's something like, I just don't like that song that they sang or something like that, like you need to extend grace for Mm -hmm. that because you know, it's more important for us to be putting the gospel on display and yes. on unity than and, it is. and unified. Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right, let's keep going. Chapter, oh, I keep saying chapter. Verse is 7 through 16. This is kind of a big chunk, but it's kind of, you know, how Paul goes on like those <laughs> long sentences. So we're yeah. just going to make it through the whole thing and then we'll break it down. So 7 through 16. 
But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Whew, Paul, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that I just want to make a quick note of is if that verse like totally caught you the part about where he ascended, but first he must have descended. Uh, it's kind of funny because it's in parentheses in yeah, my Bible. It is. So it's kind of like an aside, but we'll talk. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler. For the fall. I hope it's okay that yeah. I'm saying this. Okay. Yep. We're going to do, I'm, we're so excited about yes. this. We're going to do a study of Apostles' Creed in the fall. And one of the things we'll address in that um, study is what he's talking about here, where it says he ascended. What does it mean that he ascended, that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? So try not to get distracted by that right now. If it really um, piques your interest, you can, you know, dig into that mm-hmm. and study it yep. more. But we'll we'll address that more um, when we get to that in the in the fall. Yep. So I like, I mean, there's so much here, so much to unpack, but um, he talks about the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, or pastors, some translations, it says pastors, and teachers. And um, I, as I was reading, I, um, well, I didn't realize on my own, but it was brought to my attention (laughs) that these all have the role of teaching. Mm -hmm. Like these all at, at some level are teaching and we can, there's a lot of debate about like apostles and prophets, whether there are still apostles and prophets today. Um, what was he exactly talking about? Was he, was he talking about like the original apostles that, Mm -hmm. that were actual followers of Jesus? Um, like on earth, um, prophets, you know, that's, that's a whole kind of debated thing. But the thing that I really want to kind of bring out here is that these are all teachers and that, um, teaching of the Bible and of doctrine, as we talk about all the time is vital. Mm -hmm. Like it's obviously so important to Paul talking about how, you know, you are to teach, to, to send people out, to equip the saints. Um, and so John Stott was talking in, um, the message of Ephesians, which we'll link, but he was talking about these mass conversions that are taking places in other countries, like third world countries, which is an incredible, incredible thing, but they're actually having a lot of trouble because there aren't enough people to equip them. Ah. There aren't enough teachers Mm -hmm. to be able to, um, really, get them um grounded keep and them. Yeah, yeah keep discipling them and have them grounded in good doctrine mm-hmm. and so it's been really easy for like false teachers mm-hmm. to kind of um seep in and yeah. like you know um so so having people to teach is just so important and Jonathan as I was kind of talking through this with him he said who is it that talks about like heresy and it's starting now I was like that's JT JT English said that mm-hmm. um you know and I he might not have been the original one to say this but he was talking about how how 
all heresy Mm -hmm. for the most part or most heresy stems from misinterpretation of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that people are like trying to misinterpret or make up random things, but when you're not taught in the right way Mm -hmm. and taught good doctrine, then things can get twisted and changed and it can actually sometimes turn into heresy. And so it's just so important to have these people to teach, to equip new teachers. And it's just this cycle and it's just a beautiful beautiful thing um if we follow this this plan that that god's put into place for the church yeah that's so good that's so good so i was gonna bring this quote up later but i think it makes more sense here but i think you're so right because if we're thinking about doctrine um i'm just gonna read this quote from alive in him from gloria Furman. she talks about why doctrine matters and it's just it's kind of long but i like the way she says it so she says doctrine matters when you're reading the news and can't stop crying it matters when your neighbor um oops i skipped a line it matters when your husband comes home from the office early with a cardboard box of his pictures and lunch dishes from work it matters when you're facing another evening of free time and you feel restless it matters when your prayers are answered and a door is wide open it answers when your medication doesn't work it answers when it matters when you get a raise, when your laptop crashes, which made me think oh, of you, Casey, because yes. yours crashed. <laughs> when you're shopping at the grocery store, it matters when your child rolls their, rolls their eyes at you. It matters when you're laughing so hard your face hurts. It matters when you get a phone call you never thought you'd receive. Every moment of life, our doctrine matters. From the global concerns to the effect everyone has on this planet to the minutia of our vaporous lives, doctrine matters. Mm. And the reason she's saying that is because, like Casey was saying, we can't separate doctrine from life no because what you doctrine is what we believe about god and what we believe about salvation and that affects every aspect of our life what we believe how you know god views us affects how we accept a raise or when we get fired it it changes the way we view everything and so there's this kind of movement in the church of like doctrine divides doctrine doesn't matter whatever that is and and I love that there's kind of a swing back and a pushback to this because it does matter it's you know you can't say I love Jesus that's doctrine that's your theology like (laughs) so true you can't say I love Jesus and I am saved by grace but doctrine doesn't matter that is doctrine doctrine so I think there's kind of this misconception of the role of doctrine what doctrine even is and so um I think it's I'm glad we're talking about this because it really it does matter like she's saying and and we can't understand the gospel without doctrine. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And also, I like how, um, you know, it kind of puts pastors and teachers. And I mean, it it tells us the purpose and the purpose like we were talking about is to equip and then, you know, send Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. And so pastors are not it, it, the church is not a pyramid model with the pastor yeah. at the top. Yeah, that's good. It's a body. Mm-hmm. Christ is the head of the body, and we're going to talk about that later, but Christ is the head of the body. The pastor is not the head of mm-hmm. the body. He is part of it, and there are these different um, ministerial positions, and there are leaders, but 
but it's not a pyramid and we're all ministers. And um, I wanted to read this paragraph out of the message of Ephesians, John Stott. Most of the stuff I'm getting is from this book. It's a really, really good book. But it says, um, it does not mean that there is no distinctive pastoral ministry left for clergy. Rather, it establishes its character. The New Testament concept of the pastor is not of a person who jealously guards all ministry in his own hands and successfully squashes all lay initiatives, Mm -hmm. but of one who helps and encourages all God's people to discover, develop, and exercise their gifts. Mm -hmm. His teaching and training are directed to this end, to enable the people of God to be a servant people, ministering actively but humbly humbly according to their gifts in a world of alienation and pain. Mm -hmm. Thus, instead of monopolizing all ministry himself, he actually multiplies ministries. So I love it. So good. I love it so much because that should just encourage us because I think that sometimes we we sit there and we think, well, that's not my job. Like yeah. that's the pastor's job. Like if if um if the people need to be taught, if we need to be sent out, like that's the pastor's job. But it's all of our jobs mm. to equip and teach yeah. and send out and mm-hmm. grow. Like that's the only way the church is going to multiply. Yeah, that's the only way the gospel is going to reach you know the far ends of the earth because not like. A pastor of our local church, they're not going to go to Asia. I mean, they might leave their job and go to Asia, but then what about, what about the Mm -hmm. sheep here? You know, like, so we all have different jobs that the Lord has given us and we're all so very important. Mm -hmm. So very important. Yeah. That's really good. My favorite part of that whole passage we just read is where it says to equip the saints for work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And I think that's, you know, it's exactly the point you're making is that's, that's what we're to do. We're to, Mm -hmm. to be equipped and we're to equip others for the work of ministry, not the work of vocational ministry, but ministry. Everybody Everybody. does ministry. We're all ministers in that sense. Yeah. And I love how it says, um, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto Christ. And um, speaking the truth in love is, is like we've talked about a little bit on here before. It's it's really hard. And um, we have a good episode um, a while back about this, which maybe we can link in the show notes. But this, I feel like is such a tension for us. And we're not going to go too much in this right now, but it does say to speak the truth and it does say to do it in love. And, and just thinking about this, I personally, I find one thing helpful, like when thinking about being equipped and to grow into every way into Christ is like that. It's important for us to sit under multiple teachers. Mm, Um, and that doesn't mean like church hop by any means. That's not at all what we're recommending. (laughs) So don't mishear me here, but like So one thing I personally like to do, and maybe we can each kind of share what we do about this, like I, you know, very much believe in the local church. Mm -hmm. So we are both, you know, members of a local Mm -hmm. church and sit under our pastors. But then during the week, you know, I really enjoy listening to um, R.C. Sproul sermons or Matt Chandler sermons, just finding, um, you know, doesn't need to be like a complete variety, but making sure you're listening to, you know, many people that God has gifted with the um, gift of teaching. And so that way we can really stand firm in our beliefs and understand that, um, you know, reading scripture ourselves, but then also hearing other people, how the Lord has taught them through scripture, I think really helps us to be equipped by multiple people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. I also think there's something to, I mean, I do the same thing. I podcast Matt Chandler and R.C. Sproul and um, John Piper. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but also like I have learned so much just from my fellow sisters yeah, in Christ yeah. too. Um, so I think having, I think the kind of the, you don't hear it as much anymore, but the old school term of an accountability partner, yeah, but yeah, someone yeah. that you can just like be real with mm-hmm. and like you can challenge each other and they'll call you out and you can call yeah. them out and um, it, it, they will speak that truth in love. Mm-hmm. Like someone that lives that out is going to also um, help you grow in your understanding of the word because they obviously are spending time in the word yeah. too. I think Jamie Ivy says like someone who loves Jesus more than they love you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You, you hear life. that about your husband too. Like yeah. your husband should love Jesus yeah. more than, th- more than he loves you yeah. yeah abby the other day she goes mom i'm so sorry but i love god more than you you're and like I was praise like, the lord good baby praise the good. lord that's oh, awesome that's the best thing you can ever hear so yeah oh that's a good that's a good little section gets me yeah. fired up um another thing that i read was if we're filled with the holy spirit speaking the truth in love should be quote unquote easy because there are multiple places in the Bible that talks about how the Holy Spirit is both truth and love. Mm. So if we are filled with that, then that is what should flow out of us. Mm -hmm. Like in Matthew, it says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's a song. I was just singing it in my head as you said it. Of the heart, the Um, mouth. Yeah, it, because it's so true. Yeah. So if we are truly like that filled with the Holy Spirit, that that's what's coming out, then truth and love is what should overflow. Yeah. And the reason um, we've talked about a lot of reasons why this matters, but one of the main things that Gloria Furman makes in her book is that so that we're not, you know, tossed around according to whatever spiritual like it says, it says that in mm-hmm. verse. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I lost my notes in verse 14, where it says. That way we're not tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So she's talking about in her book how it's so important because without grounding in solid doctrine concerning who Jesus is, we'll get tossed around to whatever spiritual fad is trending, which we see, you know, we see all the time. And one thing that I've really been um, studying and trying to grow in right now is like the idea that, you know, we've talked about how God is close and he's intimate and he's but he's also infinite. But like, what does that look like for Jesus? Because there's a whole movement of like, Jesus is my homeboy. And like, Mm -hmm. is, is that okay? Like, are we making him too small? But no, he is, he wants to be with us. Mm -hmm. And so that's like one thing that I feel like I'm being tossed to and fro from. And in that, like in that specific aspect, it's like, how do I have reverence and awe, but also allow him to be my closest Mm -hmm. friend. So that's just one personal example of what I'm dealing with. But if we're not you know, constantly seeking the scripture and trying to understand doctrine will be tossed around by even more, you know, detrimental, um, doctrinal fads. Yes. Yeah. 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 So moving on, um, verses 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity but that is not the way you learned Christ assume assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness quite a turn there yes I feel like (laughs) we're like wait a second Gentiles are now grafted in what does he mean he's not saying like the way that they are now he's he's basically saying like we talked about before Mm -hmm. these this is the way you used to walk but now you have a new identity um and you know it sounds kind of aggressive and like my my personal thought is like 
when I first read this, I'm like, well, I wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that might rise up in your heart. Like he says, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And I'm like, gosh, I wasn't in like, so for some of us and Casey, you can probably relate to this. Like if you grew up and you were like mm-hmm. a good kid yeah. and, you know, tried to obey your parents and you, you know, you can have this kind of self-righteousness mm-hmm. and that's something I really struggled with, especially in high school. I'm like, well, I'm a lot better than them and right. I don't do those things that they do. And so I'd kind of put myself in this place where like, I don't, I don't even really need to be saved. Like I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. Not that I thought like I could earn my salvation, right. but just the fact that I was like, well, I'm not that sinful. Mm -hmm. And so it really takes, um, like we talk about humility and the fact that we have to understand, like we are born in sin. We have a sin nature and we're all in need of savior. And we've talked about that dang depravity on here before. (laughs) But one thing I read and I thought this totally grabbed me because I never thought about this like, like this before, but in Alive in Him, she's talking about the fact that that is a scheme of the enemy, like to just make you think you're not that bad. Mm-hmm. Like he, she talks about, um, he's, he's using blindness. Like he's using the blindness to see the effects of our sin and the, you know, the evilness of our sin is, is where, what he, he can do to make you think you don't need your own savior. I mean, we see that all the way back to Eve, right? Where he's like convincing Eve, like she doesn't really need God. Mm-hmm. She could be her own God. And that's, that's kind of what we do when we, when we fall into that self-righteousness and we see that all the way back to Eve and we still struggle with that today. But she says that, um, you know, that blindness exact is exactly where Satan wants you to stay. He works to blind our minds to keep us from seeing the light of the gospel of the end of the glory of Christ. And I never really thought about that before as far as like my own self-righteousness. But when I read this verse and I still hear, feel those feelings of like, well, I wasn't that bad. Then mm-hmm. that, that comes to my mind. Like, no, that's from the end me yeah I was that bad Mm -hmm. I just didn't recognize it because the enemy had made me blind to that so that was something that stood out to me what was something that really stood out to you from that passage something kind of similar actually okay um verse 18 where it says they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart so that Mm -hmm. similar just the the darkness and the hardness of heart and what struck me was um the term like ignorance and then the hardness of heart put together yeah so the heart and mind connection here and that just and Wilkin quote, the heart cannot love what the mm-hmm. mind does not know. Um, just once again, that um, it's important for us to have that knowledge and the way we have the knowledge of who God is and of um, of his will and just all these things that, that Paul talks about is, is to spend time in his word yeah. and in prayer. I mean, we can't, we can't forget that too, but the two go hand in hand. Right. And so, yeah, just that heart and mind connection are the two, are the things that stuck out to me. Yeah. So we see in this passage the the phrasing of put off and put on, um, which Paul uses in other letters as well. And we kind of referenced it at the beginning of the episode. But we see in here, he says to put off your old self. And he lists some of those things. Then he says, and to put on your new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And um, my pastor was talking about this this week of this phrase to put on. And like when I hear that, I think like put on your socks or put Mm -hmm. on your jacket, but it's mostly still you there. Yeah. But he was saying that this phrase actually refers more to like, um, he didn't use this example, but this is the example that popped into my mind, like putting something in an envelope, like oh, you're yeah. completely, completely enveloped by Ooh. that. So when he say, when we're saying put on our new self, we're not saying like, just add something to who you already were, but like you're, you're now fully, I don't know a better word than like engulfed yeah. or like surrounded yeah. by his righteousness and his holiness. And I thought that was a really way helpful way because the term put 
put on to me could sound a little confusing because it sounds like, oh, I'm going to get these things. I'm going to try to be these things. But yeah. what, what he's saying is more of like you are inherently these things now because you have Christ in your heart. And so I thought that was a kind of helpful way mm-hmm. um, to understand. And it's saying, you know, put on your new self. It's not saying put on a new thought or put on a new behavior, but it's a whole new whole self. Person. And so it's reminding ourselves, you know, like we talked about in the first three chapters is this is what the gospel is. This is your identity. Mm. And what you do is now stemming from that identity. It's not what you do to earn that earn identity, it, yeah. but it comes out of that identity. And I think, you know, that really helps us. And this is kind of tying the two together is our identity and our doctrine they're both essential because, you know, our identity determines how we behave, but our doctrine determines our, our identity. identity. Yeah. And so yeah. Our, our doctrine of what we believe about salvation and how, um, how we receive salvation and how that's through Christ alone is going to then tell us who we are, which then is going to allow us to walk in those mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Stott says, let no one say that doctrine does not matter. Good conduct arises out of good doctrine. It is mm. only when we have grasped clearly who we are in Christ that the desire to gr- will grow within us to live a life that is worthy of our calling and fitting to our character as God's new society. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So that's so good. That's exactly what we're talking yeah. about. So like, once again, it's just, it's so important to know what you believe and know why you believe it. And uh-huh. then these actions will flow from that. Yep. It's good. The verses 25 through 32, about to wrap things up. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with the uh, with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good as for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God um, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. There's that speaking truth again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's Mm -hmm. like coming back to it. He's like, this is important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. What's something else that jumped out of you on that one? So, immediately like had to read it several times I was like does it really say be angry uh-huh. like really be angry not do not be angry but <laughs> like did they miss be angry <laughs> yeah be angry and do not sin so my mind directly went to Matthew where um, Jesus is cleansing the temple and he mm-hmm. got angry and flipped yeah. the tables over because they were um, not being respectful mm-hmm. in God's house. And so there is a type of righteous anger. Um, but once again, we have to be aware of where that anger is coming from, mm-hmm. whether our heart's in the right place, and then what we do with that anger and the actions that that flow from that and, and um, not letting the sun go down. And it said in my notes, it said, you know, that's not necessarily being literal, but it's just saying, take care of things. Yeah. Like, don't just let this stew because then it can turn into unrighteous mm-hmm. anger if you don't, if you don't take care yeah, of it. Yeah. One of the things I read about that said, what, what he's saying there about the don't let the sun go down is because if you hold on to anger, then you are, you know, offering the enemy to come in and yes. use that. For oh sin. yes, for sure. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely a place where the enemy could grab a hold. And then towards the end where it talks about corruption, 
corrupt talk, bitterness, slander. Mm. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, I feel like these are things that I really struggle with, especially mm. at home. And I feel like we struggle with these things, especially as women, yeah. like talking about each other, you know, gossip. And we might think that, you know, they're minor offenses. Like, I'm just going to talk to my friend about this a little bit or whatever, but it's a big deal um, because those things can be more damaging, I think, than mm. we realize. Mm-hmm. And so just once again, putting those things off and putting on these characteristics of, of God, um, being kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. Um, and yeah, so I think that, I think that this is just a very practical yeah, section. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I was reading, I was like, this is very yeah. just clear. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that stood out to me was he was talking about do honest work with their, with your own hands yes. so that, so that mm-hmm. you may have something to share with anyone in yes. need. And I yes. think, you know, a lot of us, we like instantly think, well, I don't want to share or I worked for this, but he's saying like, do honest work and earn stuff, but then also share it. Mm-hmm. So kind of having, like we've talked about that on here, like generosity of having those open hands and mm-hmm. really asking the Lord, like, okay, you've given me this work. You've enabled me to do the work. Now, what would you like me to do with yeah. what I've earned from this work? So I think that's one thing that stood out to me. And then I've been talking to my girls a lot and really talking to myself a lot about that, you know, how, how we use our words. And I really love how it says that it may give grace to those who hear it. Cause I think a lot of times we focus on that first part, like don't let any corrupt talk come out of your mouth, only what is good. And yes, that part's good, but it also says that it may give grace to yeah. those who hear it. So it doesn't mean like only saying nice things to people all the time to make them feel better. You know, it says so that it may give grace to those who hear it so that ultimately they're focus is back on Jesus. God and yeah. what and what Jesus has done for us. And so it's not just speaking kindness in vain or mm-hmm. trying to make friends. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not your yes. focus. Your mm-hmm. focus to, to speak kind and not to speak ill for the grace of God to be on display. That's so I, I really liked that part too. I liked that. I like going back to what you were talking about, the, the working, you know, with your hands and doing honest work so that you may have something to share. There were a couple of things that stood out to me about that. Um, it was brought out in this book that uh, Jesus did that. Mm. He was a carpenter. Yeah. He worked with his hands. And mm. I mean, he was one of the most generous people ever, if probably the the most right, generous, right. I guess, <laughs> he gave his life for us, man to ever walk on the earth. So he was a good example of that. Mm. Once again, yeah. everything can go back to him. But also we're studying the book of Ruth um, on Sundays at church. And he was talking, Donnie was talking this week about how it was actually in the law that they had to save like the outer portions mm-hmm. of their um, yeah, crop, yeah, crops, yeah, for the sojourners, mm-hmm. for, um, you know, people traveling or whatever. Like that was part of the, the law. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been such a huge part of God's heart, that generosity mm-hmm. um, to share with others. Yeah. And so I thought that that really struck me on Sunday when we were talking about it. Because like you said, I mean, these people were working hard for what they had. Yeah. And, and to leave some knowing that these people that they don't know that are just kind of wandering through their country mm-hmm. are going to be able to to get it like that's that's hard. And you yeah. really do have to humble yourself yeah. to do something like that. Right. So. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, so what is um, going to be our memory verse for next week? So two of my favorite uh, verses in the whole Bible are the first two verses of, actually it might be three, but the first couple verses of chapter five. Let me look and see. 
Okay, no, the first two. And so what I would encourage you to do this time is to maybe find a different translation. So I personally um, love the message version of this, which I don't know if we would not necessarily call the message a well, it is a translation. It's a, it's it's a, a paraphrase. paraphrase. Yeah. But um, so you can do it in your NIV. You could do it in your ESV. But if you want to try to mix it up a little bit, l- read it in the message and try to memorize it um, in, in that way. And we'll talk about both translations of it next week on the episode. Yes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.